Their chains were fastened tight Down at the jail that night Still Paul and Silas would not be dismayed They said it's time to lift our voice Sing praises to the Lord Let's prove that we will trust Him Come what may, God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crying. It's been a real joy to work with Brother Moon 15 years. Um, as in any relationship, we learned some things I'm going to speak about this morning. This uh, sermon I preached this morning, I have preached a few times. There's certain, I'm a principal preacher. I do expositional preaching, no doubt. But oftentimes I do what they call principle preaching, which is a principle that's found throughout the Bible, not in just one place. And so I bring that principle out and try to demonstrate it and illustrate it in such a way, my goal is that you'll leave here and remember it, kind of like new life in Christ, that you'll remember that. You'll take it home. You'll think about it. You'll meditate on it. The sermon's a failure if at 1 o'clock this afternoon you cannot remember what I preached on. I will say this, though. People have said to me, well, preacher, you know, you've preached all these years, and people have said, and, and, and most of the people can't remember three sermons, four sermons you've preached. Maybe like Nick. And I say, well, Nick, besides having a bad memory, no, I'll say, you know, what did you eat last week? And he'll go, uh, well, I ate breakfast, I ate lunch, I ate supper. I mean, it looks like you were pretty well fed. But, uh, but I mean, you don't remember what you eat, but it was good for you, amen? Now, a lot of times we cannot specifically remember what all these preachers have preached all these years. But if they preach the Bible, I believe in the absolute uh, power of the Word of God. I believe in its spoken power, its written power, its eternal power, its never-failing power. And I have uh, want to base my life on that and trusting it one moment at a time. I'm preaching today on a topic of the principle of assets slash liabilities. I had a woman come to me that was a very spiritual woman. And she came to me and she said, uh, after I preached this sermon, the first time I preached this was in 1996. She was not here then. But when I preached it again, yeah, a few years later, I think the last time I preached this here was 09. And so she was in one of them. I think she was probably the one I did maybe in 2000. Uh, she said to me, she said, uh, that sermon you preached on Sunday saved my marriage. I didn't know her marriage was in trouble. But most of the time I am the last to know. But all of our marriages are in trouble if we don't understand this principle because you have to get this and get it good because you will find it wherever you go, not just in marriage. You'll find it in your employee, employer relationships, your long-term, if you have long-term friendships, you won't have long-term friendships unless you understand this. And it is manifested in the Word of God. Let me, let me go to a few places. You're not going to have time to turn to them all. But let me start with uh, Genesis chapter 13 and the relationship between Lot and Abraham. I'm just going to go too quickly probably for you to find all these, but let me read a few of these, four of them to be specific. And then after I read these four, we'll go off into application. It's about Lot and Abraham. Abraham was the older of the two. He was obviously 
chosen by God, blessed by God to leave his families, everything, Ur of the Chaldees. The only family he took here was Lot. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray, between me and thee, between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. That means that as spiritual as Abraham was, they still had some areas of strife between each other. You cannot have a very large, it won't take a very large group of people that you begin to have strife one with another. I mean, we have a men's breakfast. By the way, tomorrow, 8 o'clock, men's breakfast, old 41. Free coffee. And I can't tell you how many times men have come up to me and said, let's have it over at First Watch, or let's have it over at such and such. But you know, you just got to kind of decide on a place and then to stick with it. It's like the color of the carpet or the color of the chairs. Uh, you get a group of people of, of 10 people, you're going to get six different colors. And uh, I have had people tell me, I can't go to church at your church because you have blue chairs. All I can say is uh, her loss. But um, Miriam, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, now here you got family. Oh, you mean family doesn't get along? Paul and Barnabas, Acts chapter 15, 30, verse 36, some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let's go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who had departed from them in Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Basically, he bailed out about halfway through the time before. And Paul was holding that against him. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. You mean the great apostle Paul... And very, and I'm not over-exaggerating, Barnabas was, was a great man in the eyes of the Lord. He was the encourager. You mean to tell me that those two spiritual men couldn't figure out some way to compromise on that thing and make, yeah, they struggled, didn't they? Peter and Paul, but Mary was not there. That's for you 60s people. Galatians chapter 2 Verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, and when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing of them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, this is Paul, of course, speaking about Peter, I said unto Peter before them all. Now, a lot of times people say, well, I wish you would have said that privately. Yeah, right, right. So did Peter. He thought the same thing. And he said, he said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So those two spiritual men... Pillars, by the way, pillars, they're going to have their name on, you know, the 12 names. On, well, I believe Paul's going to have his name on there. I don't think Judas Iscariot will have his name on there for sure. But Paul may be one of the people with the 12 names on either the foundations or the city. I never can quite remember which way that goes. you got the 12 
tribes of Israel going to have their names up there, and then they're going to have the 12 apostles of the Lamb going to have their names up there. High honor. Come on now, high honor. That's for all eternity. That's, whew, mm, that's bigger than that plaque I was given. It's close, but it's big. I mean, besides they misspelled my name on that plaque, it's good. I love it. No, no they didn't really. We, we go to a plaque company. I better not get into that. These were four examples of folks that had conflicts with each other in the Bible. There's many other examples, but they're considered to be godly and successful people of God. You agree? The message today is to help us, you and I, to accept one another as God intended us. By the way, accept the good with the, the bad. It is over this topic why so many churches in America split. It is on this topic so many marriages fail. It's about this topic that pastors are unhappy with their churches, churches unhappy with their pastors, Parents unhappy with their kids, kids unhappy with their parents, employees unhappy with their employers, employers unhappy with their employees. Over this topic, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through verse 27, uh, Paul, through the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes in some length to talk about the relationship of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. You, you that are born again here today make up the body of Christ in this local moment, in this local area. This building does not. You do. You are the church, the living church, blood-bought by the Lord Jesus Christ, you that have trusted in his name and are born again from heaven. And we are all to be one. That's commanded so clearly in chapter 12, yet we're different. Um, we're all to be united, yet we're separate. We are all to be one, yet some like Coke. Where's the fireman at? Some like Pepsi, some like Coke. Amen? And some even like water. I know. I know it's hard to believe. We're all to be one. The Bible says so. Yet some like the color green, while others like blue. And yet others want red. Why it wouldn't be a church without red? I've heard that. You see any red in here? Oh. We're to be one, yet some love the ministry of Awana, but others have no time for it. They love the bus ministry. Uh, we're to be one, yet some folks love door-to-door, -door, and others like nursing home. That's their, that's their, they wouldn't go door-to-door -door if you paid them, but nursing home, they'll go. We're to be one, yet some folks love lots of music. They want 45 minutes of music and 15 minutes of preaching. Yet others would be happy if you had no music and an hour of preaching. I've heard them. How do I know that? They've told me. Preacher, I'd be good if you just cut all the hymn singing and all the music and all the choir out, all the specials, and just got up there and preached. I'm not going to give any names out because I don't want them threatened and harmed. Others just love music, and the whole thing's built around music. 
We're different. Yet we're told to be one. Some folks love long preaching. I have, I'll get down from preaching a sermon like this, which is going to be a short message. And <laughs> those are the foolish words of an old preacher. But uh, it's going to be a short message. And they'll say, oh, preacher, I wish you'd have gone longer. I'm not giving their names out either. But I have a seriously, they'll say, oh, I wish you would have elaborated on that. I wish you'd have gone longer on that. And I got about as many that come and say, that was a little longer. You went five minutes over, you're into my lunch. And I won't mention their names either. We're to be one. The Bible commands it. What a challenge we have, amen? How many here have been married over 25 years? Raise your hand. Wow. You should be saying amen every, of these, every one of these points, man, every one. The problem is what we want and what we have. What we want is a strong leader without the liabilities of a strong leader. Uh, we want a strong leader, if you want one, you better expect a clash once in a while like Paul had with Barnabas. If you want a leader like Paul, who said in Romans chapter 9 and 10 that he would be willing to die to see Israel saved, you better not be surprised if he'll go to an extreme once in a while to see people saved like Paul did in shaving his head. And like I did in shaving my head. You ought to see me with a shaved head. Where's Brother Chris? Oh, I was going to call you up here, Charlie, and say, I look like that guy right there, which was very handsome, by the way. I understand why you wear hats, so I, I, I dig it. Because you're... As soon as you shave that hair off your head, it is cold. One of the big things that got me, cold, rather. I felt the cool air go over my head. And, and anyway, I'm over that. If you want a, a, a bland conformist like Aaron, then you would expect him to bow to pressure and once in a while make a golden calf. If you want a tender, broken-hearted Jeremiah who will love his people and weep over his people, then you could expect once in a while that he would have fits of melancholy that would overtake him. If you want a man who wants, uh, a man who wants to, uh, let me try to read that again. If you want, I've repeated myself. Can you believe I made a mistake in my notes? If you want a perfect preacher, you're going to have to go somewhere else. If you want somebody like John, the apostle, apostle of love, who leaned on Jesus' breast and loved him, you would expect that when people criticize his Lord, they may want to call fire down from heaven. If you want a man of God to be bold and, and brash and stand before Pharaoh like Moses stood and declare unto Pharaoh without a shame, let my people go, then you could expect once in a while maybe an outburst of anger when God's people disobey. The trouble is you want a decisive leader that you can control and dominate. You can't have that because with every asset comes a liability. And we must be willing to accept the liabilities with those assets. 
Now, I would, I would that all of us walked in the spirit and not in the flesh and that we never had any liabilities, but the truth is that over a period of time, if you're around somebody long enough, Brother Moon, I've seen some, I know you have a hard time believing this, but I've seen some of Brother Moon's liabilities. And he's seen my liabilities. It's amazing to me after 15 years that he still loves me. Because he's seen pretty much most of my liabilities. The only person seen more liabilities is my son and my wife. And she can list them without a, without a pencil. No, she can't. When I ask her, people ask her, how's your husband? All she can say is, he's just wonderful. <laughs> Took me a while. Took me a while to teach her that, but <laughs> you want a powerful, persuasive preacher who will bend and be pliable to all the new ideas that come by. But zeal comes with impatience. Strong leadership comes with domineerance. Wisdom comes with opinionatedness. If that's a word. Cool. Cooperativeness often comes with compromise. We want a dominant wimp. All oh, you girls looking for husbands. That's right. I had a woman tell me she had a real uh, passive husband, and she came to me and she says, Man, I wish my husband was like you. And I said, Oh, oh no, you don't. First time I told you when I go to work, when I come home, then I'm going to give you a list of things to do today while I'm gone. I want the dishes done, the house clean, the windows done, and this, that, and I give you that list to do. Be the, first, be the last day you want me. But she wanted a dominant wimp. She wanted him dominant when she wanted him dominant, and a wimp when he, she wanted him to be a wimp. You want a bland leader. These are oxymorons. You want a general milk toast. You want a mousy lion. You want a shy Peter. You want a soft Paul. You want a patriotic pacifist. You want an outgoing extrovert recluse. You want a submissive commander-in-chief. You want a passionate eunuch. You want a preacher who will stand up against queers and homosexuals and triple X films and not tell the people to take their crying babies out of the service. You're not going to get that. And you haven't gotten it. You can't, you can't have fire without the potential of getting burned. You can't have the refreshing use of water without the potential of drowning in it. You can't have rain without the possibility of tornadoes. You can't have the cooling effect uh, in our summertime, the cooling effect of, 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 of uh, lowering the temperature without 
Hurricanes, which is by the main function of a hurricane, is to reduce the temperature in the tropics. It's a massive air conditioner. The same gun that protects you can also kill you. The same seatbelt that saves you can restrain you from getting out. Asset, liability. Everywhere you look, asset, liability. We want assets without the necessary liabilities. How many times in marriage counseling, when they, when they sit before me, they begin to describe their mate? And I said, well, the time they, by the time they get done describing their mate, it can be male to female, female to male. I'm not picking on anyone. When they get done describing their mate, I just look at them and say, why in the world did you ever marry her or him? And they sit there and scratch her head a little bit. Well, he used to be this or she used to be that. And I said, they still are. Problem is that you have picked up on the liabilities and gotten bitter. And your bitterness has outweighed your love. How many have seen you? How many in here? And don't raise your hand or don't acknowledge this. But how many in here have seen marriages that it started with a hot and fervent dedicated love ended in, the, in a hotter and more fervent hate? I've never seen hate in the extreme as I've seen it among a married couple. Why? When she divorces him, she don't want him to just lose everything. She wants him to suffer. That's why she unscrewed all the light bulbs, took the toilet paper, took the carpet up, and when he came home, drug the Christmas tree out the front door. That's why she did that. By the way, real story of somebody here in this building. I won't mention who. I'm not making this up. I think a marriage, what? let's look at marriage for a moment. You want the strengths of your husband, but resent the necessary liabilities. And that's where the rub is. If you take away his liability, you take away his strength. Your husband wants a wife, you husbands out there, want a wife that pays the bills, runs the house, works a job, and submits to every whim of yours. Not, when I, when I put my hands up like this, I want you all to say, let's practice this, I want you to say the word not. Okay, let's try it, ready? I'm going to do this three or four times. Ready? Oh, I hope that'll help you. You husbands want a wife. Oh, I'm not going to submit that. I won't do that again. You, you want the most beautiful woman in the world that nobody looks at. I know I've suffered with that my whole life. Ladies want a Moses outside the house and an Aaron inside the house. You want a loving husband who will leave his hands off of you. Let's do that again. Let's do that again. Husbands, you want a wife to go to work, be like Jane Fonda, come home and behave like Mother Teresa, be as attractive as Marilyn Monroe, and cook like Aunt Jemima. 
but that's not what you got. You got a woman as wild as Jane Fonda, cooks like Marilyn Monroe, and looks like Aunt Jemima. See, you can't have the preciseness of an engineer without the overkill of an engineer. Oh, I've been around engineers. They will drive you stinking crazy. How many here are engineers? Raise your hand. Thank God I don't have to live with you guys. I laid carpet for 17 years. I'd go in, I'd go in and the guy say, well, I'm an engineer. Well, I've laid carpet that time. They'll say 12 years. Every day, 12 years. Five days a week, 12 years. How many days have you laid carpet? Well, I've never laid carpet, but I'm an engineer. What's that mean? So he, he said, I've laid this whole thing out to wherever inch of this carpet goes. You take the scrap over here. And I said, that's not the way it works. He said, but I've laid this carpet out. I'm an engineer, and I've laid this out. I said, that's not the way it works. I said, here's the way it works. We go three inches up here, six inches up here. We take the scraps. We throw them away. And those scraps over there, you got to pay extra if you want me to piece all them together. Yeah, but I paid for all that carpet. I said, yes, you did, but you paid for it to be installed my way. And, and really, industry standard way. But see, an engineer has trouble seeing that. And that was my, some of my first exposure with engineers. I was like, where did these people come from? How in the world did we ever send the space shuttle up when you got that many engineers in one room? Now, wait a minute. I love engineers. Don't get me wrong. But hey, if I accept you as an engineer, I must accept your liabilities. I must accept your liabilities. We've had engineers in this church, and when we do something, they'll come to me and they'll say, but I'm an engineer. I say the same thing. What's that mean? You can't have the attention to detail of a perfectionist without the obsessing of a perfectionist. Oh, I've been around some perfectionists. And I, I have some of this myself, and I'll confess that. <laughs> and don't say amen to it. But, uh, oh, you, you just can't, you know, I can see things other people can't see. I come in, I see the spiders in the corner, the fingerprint on the. I see a fingerprint on one of our signs in the hallway. It had been there for, I let it sit there for months waiting for somebody to say something to me. Nobody said anything. Finally, this last week, I told Sandy, Sandy, would you clean that booger off of the sign? That thing is driving me nuts. But rather than getting mad at Sandy for not seeing that, which she should have, but if she... Rather than getting mad at Sandy, for, not this Sandy, but Sandy Dodd, for not seeing that, I understand that I have an asset with a corresponding obsessive liability. And you're not going to be like, you're not going to expect people to be like that. One time, one time I, I got my staff together and said, when I come in here and I drive in here and I see a piece of paper there and a cup over there and a piece of trash going there and a basketball over there, and this, why don't you see it? They all look at each other.
If I get bitter, I'm ruined. You can't have the management and decision-making of an extrovert without the takeover tendencies of an extrovert or an A-plus personality, however you want to call it. You can't have the tenderness of a mercy without the cry at the drop of a hat, mercy. Let me just put a name to this. You can't have the tenderness of a Miss Miley without her crying at the drop of a hat, Miss Miley. You with me? Don't get mad at Miss Miley because she's crying all the time. That's where, that's her, her asset and her liability together. You can't have the zeal of an extrovert without an occasional outburst of anger of an extrovert. The trouble is, folks, we want to eliminate those liabilities, but God has made this thing that with every asset cometh a liability. Have you ever heard of a savant? A savant. That's a super gifted person. That's a super gifted person. Now, we're not talking about your average genius. We're talking about somebody who can go to Las Vegas and bust them. A savant with numbers can read cards somehow or another, and they can go to their 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 picture is put up in the casinos. If you see this guy, do not allow him to stay here because he has the ability to number cards or whatever they do, and they'll just they'll beat us and they'll ruin us because everything's in our favor, 70-30, and with him, he'll beat those odds. But you'll notice something about a savant that they have a corresponding liability. And that liability is they usually have no social skills. Their social skills, mean, why, did, why does God do that? Well, if you gave somebody the gifts of savant and gave him great social skills, you may have the Antichrist. Which, by the way, I think may be what actually happens for the beast. Is he just got it all without the corresponding drawbacks and he, they just put him up as the leader of the world. Say, you're the best there ever was, best we ever saw. You take over, tell us what to do. We'll do it. The world is looking for a man like that. And you do not. And folks, if you start looking at this, if you start looking at this principle, it will help you everywhere you look. You may have things against me that you, can you imagine having things against me that you don't like? Trust me, I believe it, because there's things about me I don't like. I have liabilities that I would love to get rid of, but I can't get rid of them until the rapture or resurrection, because at that point, then the old nature drops into the grave and becomes part of the earth, and the new man goes to be with God, and I get a new body, praise the Lord, I get a new life. And so at that point, I get rid of those liabilities, and I only get the assets, Woo! But you got to be in an imperfect, imperfect environment, a perfect environment for that to happen. Let me get personal. You can't have the perseverance of a Tom Gillespie without the stubbornness of a Tom Gillespie. I've known Tom a long time. One of the most stubborn men I've ever known. Or, or should we say persevering? Because that's the asset part of it. But he also, when he makes his mind up, good luck. And But that's beautiful. Once you understand that, you're going, Tom, God bless you. 
You can't have the sensitivity of a Marilyn Rose without the tears and sometimes over mercy of a Marilyn Rose. Every asset comes with a liability. The very thing that attracts you to a person has a corresponding liability that repels you. Remember that. Both come in a package. And if you want either one, or you don't want the liability, most people don't. If you want the asset, you've got to accept the liability. Father, help us this morning. It's such a simple thing, yet so, so profound. We pray that we would understand what it is. And Father, the Spirit of God would help us even as we go back in the Bible, we see people disagreed. God's people disagreed. They struggled to get along. It's not surprising that we here will in sometimes struggle to get along. And we can become, if we don't understand this, we can become overly critical. We can become bitter. We can divide from each other. And we know the ultimate, the ultimate uh, result of division is weakness. The ultimate, the, the ultimate uh, result of not accepting liabilities is sin and grieving of the Holy Spirit, and loss of power. And this world desperately needs a local fundamental Bible-believing church that preaches the old King James Bible that Jesus saves. We can't do this without your Holy Spirit. We can't do this without understanding these principles. Father, help us today. There could be some in this room that if they had a struggle in their life. Right now, I wouldn't know, man, I don't know anything hardly about these folks really when it comes to what's in, going on in their lives. We pray that if there's some people that are struggling with marriage today, they may get it right. There's some folks struggling with employers, employees, or struggling with relationships at church or with local church or with the pastors or whatever, that they may, they may understand this and have a little bit of mercy knowing that they have liabilities also. Father, we pray you'd heal God's people. Heal us one to another. The Bible commands us to live unified together. Why? Because of Jesus. We're one in Christ whether we like it or not. We're commanded in the Bible to be of one mind. Or may it be so. There could be some in this room that know not Christ as their personal Savior. They've heard about religion. They've heard about the Bible, they've heard about Jesus, but they've never really set their mind to it to look at it. Oh, we'd love to be able to explain the gospel to you in simple, simple terms, Bible terms, show you just like we were showing what it means to be saved. Why don't you let us? In a moment when the service, uh, we begin to sing, we, you can make your way forward if you like, and we meet someone, we'll go to the back, talk about it. After the service, you can come up to Brother Moon, myself, Mrs. Rose, others and say, hey, I'd like to hear, talk a little bit more about what it means to be saved, what it means to be a Christian, and we're here for you. Father, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.